What up, what up, what up? Back with uh, another episode between two posts, episode 35. It's Everett alongside Kyle. Kyle, I think there's somebody else in the Zoom. Yeah, some, someone hacked in. Uh, decent body language, it looks like so far. So um, this is our first uh, first episode with our new, is it still co-host the word? Or is it now like, are we like tri-hosts? I think it's just co-hosts. Okay, yeah. so there's so three can be co. Yeah, we're we're just a okay. collective group, like a co-op, okay. you know. Okay, so collective group of hosts. It is the one and only Flow Daddy Evan Moyes. Um, I mean, welcome to the the Between Two Posts family. What an honor! What, <laughs> what an honor! I'm thankful. I'm blessed. Hashtag. I don't even know. Hashtag blessed, yeah. Hashtag, yeah, hashtag blessed. Hashtag 100 emoji. <laughs> no. Thanks for having me on. Uh, obviously, playing days are behind me now and just trying to find a way to stay around it, stay involved, keep talking hockey here and there. And been around you guys plenty of times and know I can have a good time just shooting the shit with you. So I'm happy to be here and I'm really thankful for you guys. Evan, we couldn't be more excited to have you. I think you bring in uh, uh, an expertise that me and Kyle are lacking, like the the spotting of body language, a good read on the room, really understanding the chem. And I think you're going to add like a new a new wheel to our, you know, automobile of podcasting. So now we have three, still missing a fourth. But I guess some of those slingshot things are cool now. You see those on the road a lot with people bumping music and stuff. So maybe yeah. we are operable. Maybe we can run. But uh, we're hoping Evan brings a new flavor, new taste, and a little bit more insight on how things work in hockey because I don't know. And Kyle's had a, a few laps in the league, but you know, Evan's Evan's been a journeyman of uh, of yeah. pro hockey. So no, Kyle. Well, Kyle had Kyle had a, a bucket list lap in the NHL, so we can't we can't forget about that one. I have no ever, bucket. No, we bucket don't. We lap. don't. We bring it up every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got the jersey in the background, too. Yeah. Along with uh, you might recognize that league there. Oh, the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I did. I did my tour. Yeah. Another defunct null team. Yes. No longer exists. Strictly, uh, strictly defunct null team alumni in this. Yeah. In this, uh, <laughs> well, we just talked to. We just talked to Seville too, and now the Minnesota Magicians are no more. So just another one bites the dust. And uh... and Wichita Falls has relocated, moved. So Wichita Falls is again without a hockey team. So bad. The Warriors. The Warriors are no more. They're in Oklahoma yeah. City, they moved. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the Wichita Falls Wildcats was where Evan had once spent some time yeah. um, gluing uh, handles of sticks to goalie sticks. Uh, and then they transformed into the Warriors after a couple seasons off, and now they are no longer in existence. So, just a bunch of uh, cancers here in this group chat, and uh, that's, that's the way we're going to keep it. So, we're very excited to have you on, Evan. Um, do you have any late latest news? Anything interesting? How's Razzle, Razzle's doing? Any good tournaments coming up that we should keep an eye out for? Tournament season's kind of coming to an end. Uh, we got... Indoor courts open up in uh, end of October. 
the outdoor courts i had to do a little work on them today when a light fixtures went out had to put up a new fixture and keeping it blue collar i know i, I saw your uh, instagram story the other day you were keeping it blue collar so i just figured i had to be you know follow your lead here a little bit i appreciate that yeah i mean my life is blue collar sometimes you just gotta you know grab a shovel you jump in the ditch and you start digging right yeah get her done that's all it is um so today we got a sweet episode for you lined up it's uh taylor the goat gochier uh kid coming out of calgary alberta just signed with the pittsburgh penguins organization i don't know if you'd ever heard of it uh amazing kid plays backwards catches uh silly side or whatever they call them silly siders so that's another another new new hockey lingo word we have for you but uh well i was gonna say one one other thing in his uh in our interview with him, he brought up the combine. Yeah. And I guess he was, he went, what did he say? Like 17 and 0 or something in cornhole that weekend? 11 and 0, yeah. 11 and 0. So, like, nothing for nothing, but like the combine doesn't translate to hockey. Cornhole kind of does. And it's like, do, do teams, do duos. Like, we'll yep. see how you work with the teammate. We'll see how you, because there's some really good highs, some really good lows. Like, like, you know, you can be sitting at 20, you put the bag in the hole, you bust, like that's a low, low feeling. And you're going to see how a guy handles adversity and pressure. So put, put cornhole in the combine. No, I, I do like that because think about it on the flip side of your scenario, you're 20, you, you know, you're, you're playing somebody, you're down 20, 20, nothing. Yeah. What are you going to do? How do you exactly. respond? Exactly. You know, Evan, you're, you're from the Midwest. How do you respond? Yeah. No, I mean, you just got to start putting them through the hole. And I, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say. You know, you're, you and the guy you're next to, he puts four through the four through the hole and, you know, you got three through the hole and you got to cancel them out. Otherwise you're, you know, you're going down three more. Yeah. Pressure's on. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm an NHL GM, I'm sitting there watching these guys play cornhole and seeing how guys respond to different situations. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, who needs, at that point, who needs the interviews? That's it. Just just cornhole. That's it. Strictly that. Cancel the interviews. You can watch everything. Yeah. I mean, we like a couple. I feel like every year there's a story of like a guy who couldn't do a single pull up or like yeah. couldn't do this test. It's, but then he'll come and light it up in the league. So like, why are we why are we still doing pull ups at the combine? Yeah. So, yeah. Kyle, how many pull ups can you do? I actually tried yesterday. So like like uh, combine where you have to like lock, lock arm and all the way up and hold it. I can, I can do six. So, wow. That's yeah, impressive. Pretty impressive. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I tried one Sunday. Yes. Yesterday. And I, uh, I went from full extension all the way down legs yeah. hang up behind me. I got halfway and couldn't finish. So yeah, I couldn't get one. I think I, I if I could like swing, swing, I, I mean, Oh, you, are you, you want to be a CrossFitter? You want to be a CrossFitter, Kyle? You going to talk about CrossFitting every day? Are no. we wait? Are we here to bash CrossFitting? Because I'm I'm not here for CrossFitting. I'll tell you that so, much. So I was out to eat with uh with my uh, in laws, and um, still figuring a, out what they are to you. Yeah, our, good. so we're at a restaurant and CrossFitting's on TV. My father in law like says something about it. And I thought I like I thought he was just like being like sarcastic. So I was like, yeah, like he said something like, man these crossfitters or something what athletes and i was like i was like, yeah i was like yeah i know like it's, they're sick right and then and then he's like oh no like they're actually he was like dead serious like impressed with and it's like 
crossfitting world championships. Like yep. none of these exercises make any sense. They're sprinting from like drill to drill and doing them as like poor of form as possible to do it as quick as possible. One yeah. of the, one of the regionals for it was at, at uh, Knoxville's ring. Really? Big regional yeah. was at Knoxville's ring. You probably could have signed up Evan. I don't I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, to, to really go off the rails here, what I would love to like try sometime is that Ninja Warrior thing. Oh, Ninja Warrior. I we've been watching that a lot in my house lately, and uh, Ninja Warrior is all about grip strength and upper body. Yeah, and then like core control because everything is you're hanging, you're gonna jump and catch, you're hanging from this, you're gonna jump, hang on like your fingertips. So it it it's a lot of like your forearm could, arm strength. We could do sick at the lower body portions though yeah like where I, I you like jump couldn't... jump 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 yeah yep but yeah definitely I, I couldn't do those uh the one where like they're holding on to the bar and you have to like inch it up every time like no chance no no i, I could maybe like get it up once and then on the second swing i would probably just cash out swing too far and then you know let go and hit the water so the one gym i used to go to had uh one of those do you remember like the pegboard things yep. like you yeah. have pegs man i used to go up and down that like one or two times and i'd just be gassed yeah like That's thinking a- about these people they go they like yeah they inch their fingertips for however many feet and then they go to the next one and they're doing the you know pull up the next hook up the next hook up the next hook and then you in between all that you can't rest because you're trying to get it done before the next guy just i don't those people are athletes. I hate to say it, but they're athletes. No questions asked. So I was actually thinking of just a weird thought, but like lay this pearl on us. <laughs> how do we? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was just kind of going through like different sports and like, like what, what makes something a sport? Because a lot of sports are just like, I don't know, like, like is hunting a, a sport like fishing how is fishing a sport that's a way of survival like that's that's a way of providing for your family i think it's when people put it turn it into a competition right i mean i like, think yes but then but then you then then cooking could be a sport right like the cooking channel that's a sport if it's a competition i think with video games being able to break in and call themselves a sport now amongst whatever community we're basing this off of uh, who's deciding these things. I think Evan makes a point and Kyle counters with another great point is that is what this is kind of coming down to. Like you can't tell me gaming's a sport. Like you yeah. just, you flat out, you can't, especially when they're like computer guys, like video game controllers. Yes. Like maybe like, I don't know, but like when you play on the computer, that's just growing up and playing pajama, Sam. And like playing that on your computer and playing pinball on your computer, Minesweeper. Like, you can't tell me you sit at a computer and this guy's like, this is an athlete here. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. But yeah, I do. I do understand where you're coming from. Where like again, the cornhole tournament. That's a sport now, right? Like that's on TV. Yeah. Darts. Darts is a sport. Well, that's that's the other crazy thing is like, it's almost like tiered off of like you have your like non-disputable sports and then they're like a lot of people say like they don't think golf's a sport 
Cause like you can walk, you like you walk and all this and a lot of like, like I said, fishing, hunting, but like all of a sudden those seem like legit sports when you bring up like gaming and darts and darts. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, yeah. But then I can think of more ridiculous things that might make you think that gaming is a legit sport. So it's just, it's okay, crazy. Give me, give me one of those things, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. That's what <laughs> I, I thought. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure there are dude. Like, uh, is it, there's like competitive power walking yeah like, see, uh, yeah yeah, yeah. you okay. can't you're not allowed to run but it's a race yeah. so like now now i'm like yeah video gaming is more of a sport than that like yeah okay well i, I guess that's for the listeners to, to decide then um evan any final words for the listeners and what they should expect with you now being on being on b2p expect the unexpected <laughs> that's it Everybody, we got a sweet interview coming up for you. Uh, Taylor Goche, uh, be sure to stick around. You don't want to miss it. And uh, listen for uh, next week, every Wednesday, 8 a.m., anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Like, subscribe, follow, comment, send in questions, DM New Jacks about getting paint jobs uh, and creative artwork. Um, Do all those things. It kind of keeps things running. Tell ESPN their offer is still too low. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell them that we're still in the works with, you know, finalizing that deal, yeah. but um, DM ESPN, just slide everyone slide into ESPN's DMS. Yeah. And just explain to them how between two posts, you know, really is a recognizable yeah. podcast. Not going to lie. The amount of DMS that I got were like, that said, congratulations. Oh my God, you guys did it was like, I feel so bad. Cause like, I just put out a lot of like shit posting on my story, but yeah. a lot of people believe that like, dude, I literally, I literally asked you the next day at breakfast. Like I said to everybody, I'm like, man, if, if, cause I got a call today from a, a buddy checking in from Cali. He goes, dude, like ESPN thinks pretty sick. I go, if you saw, if we signed a deal with ESPN and I was getting paid to podcast, I would have gone live and you just saw me like buying bottles of sh- like champagne. <laughs> I'd be driving out of Buffalo, going to Toronto and going to the nearest club and buying a booth. I wouldn't be sitting at Buffalo still, but I do appreciate all the support because at the end of the day, people think that could happen to us. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, maybe I'm just speaking things into uh, the universe yes, that, yeah. you know, could happen. So uh, stick around for the interview. Don't want to miss that because that's the best part. And we'll see you next Wednesday. All right. Today we got a special guest. Kid coming out of Calgary, Alberta, just signed a, a deal with uh, somebody, I guess, in the National Hockey League, the Pittsburgh Penguins or something like that. His name's Taylor Gauthier, uh, a.k.a. The Goat. Uh, Taylor, how's your summer been, bud? Oh, it's been good. It's uh, It's been pretty busy, but I uh, can't complain. It's been uh, a lot of hard work, a uh, little bit of fun mixed in there, but... Uh, that's been good. It's uh, nice to get a little bit of a longer one than what I'm used to the last couple of years. So um, been been enjoying it. That's good, man. I mean, uh, hopefully not. It's not too too much fun. We don't want to, you know, let it get off the rails there. But uh, signing that deal, getting to turn off the alarm clock, uh, the six animal alarm. How's that feel, huh? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, something that I've been working towards for uh, the last couple of years, and uh, to to finally get that uh opportunity to to sign that deal it was uh it was pretty special for me and uh but uh for a little bit it felt like it, it might not happen um you know, lots of ups and downs in my junior career but 
um, I'm happy that it uh, it worked out the way it did. And if I could go back and change a thing, it, uh, I'd do it the exact same. I mean, this this cycles all the way back to where, like, when I got to meet you was uh, the Combine out in Buffalo. Um, and that was a few years back. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a handful of years back now. God, I'm getting old. Um, but we got to talk there. You had some interviews. You went through the Combine process and everything like that. Unfortunately, that draft didn't work out for you. And then I know there was the year after and, you know, battling out with uh, PG and everything and having a team where, you know, you, you kind of looked at it and we always saw how well you were doing and we were rooting for you and everything like that. But obviously that team was in a little bit of a tough spot. So to see you finally get your deal and to cross that off your list and get the monkey off your back was really exciting for everybody uh, at Vaughn and, you know, everybody here supporting you. So we were really, really excited for you. And we're glad you got to, to cut off the 6 a.m. alarm. But I do want to ask, you know, was it always 6 a.m. or did you have a couple little, couple uh, maybe later wake-ups, 9 well, a.m.? Let's slide a 10 a.m. in there. <laughs> it, it was more of a reminder that went off at 6. It wasn't, I wasn't getting woken up at 6 every morning. Oh, okay. Um, but there's just something that kind of the first thing I saw in the morning. Um, that was all it really was. I wasn't getting up and – being some sort of animal every day, but <laughs> I was just kind of going through my normal day-to-day -day life. But I just kind of something to to keep my mind at the on the right track, and I just remind myself to to keep giving her eyes on the prize, baby. Exactly. What 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 was the uh, what was the significance? What like what did it say, or what did it? Uh... I, I'm sorry. I, I picked up, I picked this up late. What was the signet? Like, what was the alarm or what was the reminder? Just like uh, keep battling until you get it or all it said was get a contract. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, I didn't really care how I got it. Uh, just kept, kept going. And um, you know, obviously it worked out for me and uh, yeah, getting to check that off the list. It was, uh, it was pretty special. Yeah. Are you going to set a, like a next goal? What's your next one going to be? I don't know. I haven't, uh, haven't really thought about that one too much yet. Uh, just like a win the day type of guy. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. enjoy the day. <laughs> it's um, pretty easy to, pretty easy to enjoy it whenever you're, uh, you get to play hockey for a living. So that's yeah. for sure. Um, so I do want to kick it back to your earlier days based just based on the fact that I got a little, a uh, little tidbit here for or maybe I could call it a timbit when I was watching your mic'd up with Jeff Glass working your goalie school this summer and uh, you said you had seven goals and timbits and you got that on video where's uh, where's that footage at uh, it's actually sitting in my living room right now maybe I'll uh, see if I can find a way to send it over to you guys but it's uh, let's fire that up man I let's barely, get a skills I could barely going. skate but I could bury the puck <laughs> you just knew what you had to do huh Exactly. Putting away trash. I mean, seven goals and 10 bits that I'm surprised you ever went back to and played in the net, huh? Yeah, I know. I must have had a game where I didn't score seven and that was the end of it. I still <laughs> like scoring goals a lot, though. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's nothing like it, especially when you sign your deal, you're working a goalie school and you're trying to, you know, teach 10 year olds the game and really, you know, maybe boost their confidence and get them to feel good at their summer camp. And you go bar down a few times and you just throw some big sellies in their face. Exactly. Uh, it's not usually bar down, but I'm usually just playing the rebound out, pass it three or four times with my shooter and put her into the open net. Well, you got to, 
teach them like it's life's not always going to be easy, right? You're going to face some ups and downs and these are going to be a lot of downs for you at this camp. Exactly. Can't let them, <laughs> can't let them leave being too happy with themselves. Absolutely not. Um, Taylor, I did read when you were growing up, obviously you play full wrong, uh, the opposite hand, a little full right action. Uh, it's for kids, you know, that grow up doing that. It's hard, right? It's hard finding stuff. Uh, in Canada, I think the way it goes is a lot of rinks are kind of giving kids or their associations gear, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So typically, you know, the gears from hand-me-downs from previous players, so you don't don't get a ton of that. But I was reading an article, which also used the term that we kind of got to go over afterwards. Uh, but you were getting hand-me-downs from like Logan Thompson, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a couple couple sets from him. I mean, that's pretty sick in terms of like. Two kids coming out of Calgary. Obviously, now where we're at, you guys have signed. You know, LT's been playing pro. Now you're signed to play pro. Um, couple full rights though, coming out of the same town, out of the same association. That's special, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, looking back at it, uh, you know, obviously he's his route to the NHL is is probably even crazier than than mine. You know, he goes through, plays a year of uh, U Sports and signs AHL deal and then just keeps working. So I think there's uh there's something in the water up here that uh you know you just never never quit and um you know to see him be in the position he is and you know growing up watching him and him kind of being a, a role model for myself. It's uh it's pretty cool to see that and for me to you know take that next step and trying to follow in his footsteps. It's uh it's another motivating factor for me. For sure. So if, if you didn't get the, the deal, were you going to go the school route or were you going to go maybe look at like Europe or other options? Yeah, I don't think school's for me. It, yeah, took, me enough. it took me about a year and a half longer to graduate than it should have. So uh, that's kind of a, a sign that I wasn't too uh, interested in school. So I probably would have went to uh, you know, try to get AHL or, or Europe, but uh, yeah. you know, it worked out in, in the end, and it was a, an option that I didn't have to look at. Yeah. Now you and you said you and Thompson are from the same uh, youth organization. Was there maybe like a, a goalie coach or anything like that that was at that organization that was maybe uh, the reason you guys were having so much success? Turning, I mean, you and LT getting turned out of there, or was it just kind of shot in the dark and? lightning strike in the right spot yeah i don't know uh we didn't really have a goalie coach but uh we got coached by the same head coach Vern olson he's kind of the the man around southern uh southern calgary um he's got uh his middle son he plays in in wilkesbury uh he played five years in the western league um then went to to wilkesbury he's been there for the last three years and then uh one of my best friends he's been he was drafted to Boston and he plays at uh, Minnesota Duluth now. So it's a very talented family and uh, he, he knows a, a lot about the game and um, I'm not sure what it was, but I'll just, the two of us, we found a way to get it done. And there's a third one in there. Uh, Aiden Hill played in the same Bantam and Midget organization that, that me and, uh, Logan did as well. Uh, he's a year, I think he's a year older than Logan. So there's, uh, there's kind of been, been three of us in five or six years that have, have all come out of that, uh, 
that one team. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see that. That's yeah, powerhouse. Yeah, you weren't kidding, man. There is something in the water then for goalies turning out of, of your guys' association. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see, and you know, I think uh, there's a couple other younger guys that are are coming up now. Um, you know, Nick Jones, he's going to be in Brandon next year, this upcoming season, and uh, yeah, we're just keeping it keeping it rolling. I love it. Um, so this is kind of for everybody, but Taylor in the article where I I learned that you were getting uh, you know, as you were growing up, UNLT were kind of sharing gear and he was helping you out because you, you know, finding pads is easy. Like you can get leg pads. There's no full right leg pads, but having the full right gloves and stuff as a kid and you're coming up is it's a little bit harder to come across. But in that article, the author, writer, the journalist, um, newscaster, whatever they wrote that goalies of, you know, that are full right are typically in hockey. And he said, typically by everybody that plays hockey, they're called silly siders. But I've never once in my hockey career, and now that I've worked in this, ever heard anyone call someone that plays full right, oppo, anything like that, call them a silly sider. So that's just, that's a lie, right? Like that, no, you guys have never heard of that. That's before. that's new to me as well. Okay. So we're in the same boat for that. So where, now you're just going to be our from? silly sider. Huh? I don't think I'm going to be a silly sider. <laughs> Who said that, Ev? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go through all my history unless oh. this is it. Um, Sounds like Dr. Seuss wrote the article or something. <laughs> say, or like a, like someone in the UK. I, I could see like the UK calling full right silly ciders or something. Um, yeah, that's, that's not a term that uh, I've ever heard <laughs> before. And I've been, been called pretty much every name under the sun. So it's a new one. Oh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think silly ciders is going to stick, but I thought it was a pretty bold statement for them to just go out there and say, Oh yeah. Uh, he's a silly cider. Oh, it was somebody out of Pittsburgh. Oh, can't um, be. oh boy. It's All a right. Great article. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, now, now suddenly that nickname sticks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was some Pittsburgh. They, they were given a, a diagnostic of, uh, Taylor and everything that he'd ever done in his whole life story. So it was pretty cool. Um, I kind of wanted to ask, like, what was the combine experience like? Because that kind of leads me into where I want to take it next. You know, being there, going through it. We just talked to Isaiah and I know we had all hung out when we were there with gear and doing the mask molds and everything like that. And you called in, you get some interviews. What was kind of your gut feeling going into that first com or the first draft after the combine and the whole experience for yourself? Yeah, uh, obviously it was. It, it's pretty cool to to be in a a situation like that. Not many guys get to go to that. Um, I think I only had like four interviews in five days, um, so I was kind of the designated hangout guy. You know, I'd have an interview at like nine in the morning, and then I was clear for the rest of the day so i just kept my door latched the entire time and <laughs> told all the boys you know if you're in between meetings and you need someone to hang out with um, i'll be in my room so uh on that end i got to spend a lot of time with the boys and uh you know get around the city of buffalo a little bit uh went 11 and 0 in cornhole uh, oh in, on a heater in the common that's area. a good step it's good so stuff. I, was, uh, I kind of controlled the board all week on that, but uh, overall the experience was awesome. Um, 
you know, just being around that environment with, with all the, the GMs and, and management for at the time, 31 teams, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. And, uh, coming out of it, I, I thought I was, I thought I did well in my interviews. Uh, I thought I tested all right. Uh, I'm not any, you know, physical specimen or anything like that, but thought I held my own in the, in the testing, but, uh, you know, going into the draft, I, I was fully expected to, to go. And uh, I was at the draft and, you know, the chips didn't fall where they, where I would have liked them to and uh, left the draft pretty dejected and, um, you know, kind of felt for the first time in my life that I, that I had failed at something. Um, you know, the next couple of days, it was kind of poor me. And uh, it was, a, it was an attitude that, wasn't the right attitude. Um, I vowed to never look at it in that way again. Um, you know, even to, to be considered in that top echelon of players and, and goalies, you know, that's an honor to begin with. So, um, you know, a couple of days after the draft, my, my mindset completely changed. Uh, I got uh, the opportunity to go to Boston's development camp and, um, you know, just worked and, put my head down and got back to work that summer. Um, and I think the way, you know, like you kind of talked about it, like maybe the way you handled it at that time wasn't the right thing, but I think you can see where your growth is at because when you look back and you're able to say that, and when you're able to make a change based off the way you had initially reacted and the way you carry yourself through the adversity moving forward is kind of what put you into the spot now. Right. Because yeah. a lot of people can walk away from that and say, this sucks. This is BS. You know, this is shit. Why didn't I get picked? I did this. I did that. You know, I was here with that player. I played against him. We did, you know, and I was a part of this team, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think when you look at, you know, your mindset and where you are today, although it's not like the most comfortable and it's not the most fun experience to go through, what has happened to you? I'd like to think is, you know, kind of shaped you into the person where you're at now and what you're going to, how you can look at things moving forward and how mentally you're going to address stuff as you move forward in a pro, because there's just so much more adversity as you, every time you climb the ladder, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, that's exactly kind of how I, how I look at it. Um, you know, that next year of, uh, of hockey and I, I experienced a lot of growth. Um, when I think looking back, I was also, you know, 17-year-old kid that, you know, felt like his dreams were over. So I, it, it was a big deal at the time. But once I took a step back and, and realized that, you know, it's just, at the end of the day, it's three letters beside your name on the stat sheet before a game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that you can't control. And uh, I, I do, I agree with you 100%. It is it has shaped me into the person I am today. And it's, it's made me a better hockey player and a better person uh, as well. Yeah. I also like, especially from a goaltending uh, point of view, I've heard a lot of stories of like, you know, obviously when you get drafted at 18, you're not going into the show anyway. So maybe it gives you that couple more years where now a lot of different scouts might come watch a game instead of like only the team that has your rights. Yeah, exactly. It opened me up for every team and 
that's kind of the, the mindset that I had. And it was, I'm going to go out and I'm going to impress every single person that's in the stands every single night. And if I don't do it one night, I'm going to make sure the next night I do it even more. So it's, uh, it, it put a chip on my shoulder and it, it really motivated me to you know, get to where I, to the level that I was playing at, um, when I was 19 and 20, I think, uh, my 20 year old year arguably was the best hockey I've ever played. Um, other than my 1.2 goals against in both years of Bannon, uh, <laughs> that one's hard to compete with, but, uh, and, and the seven goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, it, it got me to a place where I was, I was confident in myself and, um, you know, it was me against the world. So, uh, looking back, it's, I kind of turned a negative experience into a positive and, uh, I'm thankful I went through it at, at such a young age. And it didn't, I mean, like we said, you're able to kind of pivot, move forward. And as a, as a player, you've just grown. Um, but Taylor, you, you played over, uh, 190 games played in the dub. Most of those obviously were in Prince George. And obviously with this being your the last season that you you're going to play in the dub and I had the route you played where you had to cross them and you, you, you beat them in one of the rounds and eliminated to move forward. Uh, I know, you know, watching some interviews and reading some stories about that, it seemed like a pretty emotional tie. Uh, just going back to, you know, your it was four in Prince George, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the like four, four years with Prince four and a half with, uh, yeah. Including this year, four and a half with Prince George. Uh, what was your time there like? Because right when you stepped in the door, like you were playing games a lot, like a lot, a lot of games. So you're basically all those years that you played there, the man. Uh, what was it like being up in Prince George there for you? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I I love that city with, with all my heart. It became a, a second home to me. Um, uh, my my billets. I was actually I met up with them last week there in town. Well, they're cool. They're just, I'm just as close with them as I am with my actual parents. Um, you know, I met my girlfriend up there. You know, there's so many things that have happened in my life that, um, you know, wouldn't have happened if, if I wasn't there. So it's, uh, it, it was an unbelievable experience being there. The city really embraced me and the team. And, um, we stuck through a couple hard years there. Um, you know, we were kind of just making the, the turnaround, um, you know, last year in the bubble, we went 500. Um, and then this year we were, uh, we were doing well. We're in, we're in the playoff spot, the pretty much the entire time, uh, I was there and, um, next year they're going to be a, they're going to be a powerhouse team. So, um, you know, it's a, on, on one end, I'm, I'm really grateful for my opportunity in Portland, but then there's another side where, you know, it would have been cool to, to be there all five years, and, you know, finish my time off there, but I don't think I would have gotten the opportunity to, to sign a contract if I didn't make the move to Portland and, um, you know, get to play behind a, a super talented team and, um, you know, just be a, a, a key part in, in the Portland's uh, run there. You know, it, it ended uh, a lot shorter than I, th I think a lot of us hoped it would, but mm -hmm. uh, overall, looking back on my entire junior career, uh, all the people I met, 
uh, my billets, my teammates, coaches. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. Now taking it back to Prince George though, like in the nicest way possible. I mean, it, like you said, they were, it was a, a program that's kind of in a turnaround stage. Right. And when I look at it and what you had been through, those were some like real big time character developing years for you because uh, when you're going through and you're kind of, you know, less than 500, like mentally as a goalie that's playing every game, that's got to be like brutal to deal with, huh? Yeah. We, when I was 18, we went on a 17 game losing streak. And oh, no. I had a, went into Kamloops. We won two, one in a shootout. I had like 46 saves or something. Yeah. And then we went on a nine game losing streak right after. So if, if anyone wants to know what it was like to, to be on a team like that, it was, uh, that kind of summed it up that, that year. It was, uh, it, it was good character building year. Uh, but there's, there's some tough days there. You, know, you got to man up and just, sometimes you just had to take it on the chin and uh, try and move past it. But I think I, uh, I handled it as well as I could have. Um, you know, being the guy that you know had to take the the loss on on the stat sheet uh, majority of the nights, um, but at the same time, it it helped me so much in my development. Um, averaging 35, 40 shots a night, back to back nights, um, kind of taught you just how to man up and you know, control what you can control, and you know, if you if your team scores one, you're going to try and keep it at zero. So it, uh, it was tough some nights, but overall with the, the group of guys and uh, the coaches being you know, really supportive and um, being there for us, I think it, uh, it, it made it a little bit easier to, to still come to the rink every day and, and work hard and you know, try and turn it around. So when you're in the dub, because I, I honestly have no idea. Um, like at the end of a year, do you have an option to like look into other teams in the same league or does it have to be like a trade? Like once you're with an organization, you have to like play with them until they trade your rights. Yeah. Like you're their, you're their property. Um, okay. No, it's to set the record straight. I never did ask out of PG. Um, I know some, some people in, and PG thought I did. Um, wasn't the case at all. It was, uh, I sat down with their GM at the start of the year when I was 20 and just told him if there's a, if there's an opportunity for me to go try and win a championship and it's a good fit for me and it's a good fit for you guys, then I'll take it. But I'm not ever asking out of a place that has treated me so well and given me so many opportunities. So it's, uh, you know, they, they control, you know, where you play and, um, yeah, it's just, you go there, you play there as long as, as long as they don't cut you or trade you, you're on the team. I gotta, I gotta ask you, I was in, uh, I was in Kansas city for a little bit last year. Oh, I know where this is going. And, uh, <laughs> and I was with an absolute enigma of a human being. Reed uh, Purple. Reed Purple. You got any, you got any good stories about him? I, he he was just he was just a, a, a different dude. He was he never had any problems with anyone. He was just hanging out. This he was, guy, 
was like you you've if you've ever spent any time with him you have no words to describe <laughs> how he is like no. you just have to meet this guy he would sit in the back of the bus we he was a couple rows up and we would pull him back to the back of the bus and we were playing cards and we would get him he knew every single drake song off by heart <laughs> so we'd get him in the back and he'd be rapping to trophies and then he'd go on to like hotline bling just like everything just he didn't have a single care in the world he just did whatever he wanted he's a pretty he's a pretty tough dude too i remember like first game of the season i remember he blew someone we were playing in iowa he blew someone up and then like grabbed a guy and the guy he grabbed i I think he was just like a mutant and he went toe-to-toe with this guy and he kind of it was kind of like back and forth and he ended up, he ended up like, all right. But I just remember he came off and the guy tagged him like right above his eye and he, his, his eye blew up. Like he had like a, a goose egg right above his eyeball. It was one of the, I was like, Holy cow. I like, couldn't be me, but he, he was definitely a, a tough kid. And he, I mean, like I said, he never, never had any problems with anyone, but he was just one of the funniest, like just watching that guy scoot around the locker room every day. was just, just, different it was so funny but. yeah i have i have a t- like i could you could do a podcast just stories of him <laughs> like every day it was something um for a little bit because he'd he used to hammer caffeine pills before games oh yeah like, my kind five, of guy like five or six <laughs> and there was one game on the bench could have a heart attack he went to our trainer and i can't do the story without talking like him because this, that's part of the thing. Yeah. And he comes up to a trainer and he goes, Hey, Mikey, you're like, my heart's going to fucking explode. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. And he was like, how many caffeine pills you take? It's like, I don't know, five or six. He's it like, perps, you like, you got to take like one or two. It's like, you're actually might have a heart attack right now. 12 coffees. So he, after that game, he stopped doing, uh, he stopped taking caffeine pills. And he would bring like a liter of beet juice what? to the game. Cause apparently, I don't know. Apparently beet juice is like good for energy, but he would. I think it opens up like your, uh, opens up like your veins and your arteries or stuff. So like this that. guy would sit in the locker room before, like in between warm up and the game. And he would hammer a full liter of beet juice. And a couple of times, like we weren't, we'd be wearing our white jerseys and he'd, be chugging it with his jersey on and it spill all over his jersey and he'd have red all down the side like all down his jersey and he came up to me one time he goes what do i look like right now and i was like i don't know a guy with juice all over his jersey he goes i look like a psycho and I was like, yeah you do big time he's like think he'll scare the other team like, yeah probably because i'm pretty sure they're already scared of you yeah yeah I feel like it's scarier if they knew it was beet juice. Yeah, like it's, like he was, he was yeah, a menace. It'd be less scary if they thought it was blood. They're like, ah, oh, yeah. blood, you play hockey. And then you're like, no, it's beet juice. They're like, what, what kind of psychopath is this? Yeah, you should see the leader of beet juice that's in the locker room there. <laughs> this guy sounds like a beauty. Oh, he was incredible. Like, just watching him. <laughs> I would just ISO cam in the dressing room and watch him. Yeah do his thing 
Oh, man. A liter of beet juice. You could put them in super troopers. Jesus. I wonder, he like, how do you even get beet juice in liters? Like, is that something you just go to Whole Foods for and they have it ready to go for them? You think we got a Whole Foods in PG? Yeah. <laughs> scratch, scratch that. Never mind. The liquor store on the corner. You definitely, yeah, you definitely make it yourself. Like one no, of those at we got we would get it at school and it came in like packets like five they like come five. in those those little shot ones because we were taking them at world juniors and they were the worst things ever oh, they and he's and drinking a, a liter of that for a little bit i was taking them like we were before the tournament like before everything was named like the starters and all that stuff i was taking them because i was like okay i'll do everything right like i still got a shot at the job here <laughs> The second that I got named third string, I went to our trainer. I said, I'm not drinking this ever. <laughs> I was like, how come? I was like, I'm not even playing. Like, I'm going out for a half hour and getting bagged. I don't need to drink beet juice. So he kept putting it in my stall, and I just put it underneath my – open up the bottom, throw it in my toiletry bag. And so see you later. It was like still a, in there, too. It was like still an expectation that, like, all the boys were, were going to take it. I think so, yeah. Team Canada. Um oh, we're the best. Yeah, the uh that beet juice. I mean, for for you to not want to drink one and him to pound a liter, like you gotta talk about a tough guy like oh, yeah. <laughs> mentally the guy's a nail gun then. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a couple more stories that I could tell, but I don't know if they make the cut, so I'm just gonna keep them to myself. Well, we don't we can't be a sewer pod, so we'll no. just <laughs> those are those are gems that you keep on your own couple pearls. Yeah, um, with the boys. I uh Taylor, you segued it perfectly going into World Jays and everything like that and getting selected, which was an awesome, awesome achievement. And it was really cool just to watch you get there. But I did read a little I, I pulled an excerpt, and this is quote unquote. Taylor is a pretty emotional kid when we told him. He kind of went really quiet. We had tears in our eyes, all three of us, myself, Susan, and our daughter, Morgan. We were all in tears. And then my daughter asked him, Taylor, why aren't you crying? And he said, I can't cry on camera. So what was really cool was Hockey Canada wanted the families to be involved when everybody got announced to the team. So this quote was from uh, Taylor's dad. And I just really liked the part where you said, you know, like you wanted to cry, but like you can't on camera. So you sometimes yeah. you just got to man up, uh, right? Uh couple tears were shed once I got back to my room, but um, it, it was pretty, it, it was a really special thing that, that everyone decided to do in, in the management side, um, you know, for the biggest moment of my life uh, to this day, to, to be chosen to, to wear the, the Maple Leaf on, um, on the biggest stage of hockey, arguably, um, you know, as a, as a Canadian kid, you grow up religiously watching the World Juniors every year at Christmas. Um, it's a, it's every kid's dream. You know, you're in the driveway playing road hockey, and you're you're playing Russia or the U.S. in the gold medal game, and um, just seeing all of the the players that have have worn that jersey before you, and to be grouped into that category with them is is something that you know i don't think i'll ever fully appreciate and wrap my head around uh, but to have my parents and my sister um break the news to me that was 
that, that was really special, um, you know, for them to, to be a part of it, uh, all the sacrifices that, that they've made, um, all the hours in the rink, you know, my sister being dragged along to, to tournaments and, and early morning games, um, to see it pay off in firsthand, uh, it, it was pretty special. No, it's, it's an incredible experience. And like you said, you want to talk about like the goalies that you're now grouped in with Carey Price, Flurry. I just saw the clip. I don't know why it popped up on Facebook, but I saw the clip of Flurry leading the team out back when he had the all yellows, like pretty sick clip. Um, so being a part of that staff, even, you know, like you said, you, you kind of got pushed into the third spot. Once you found out we cut beet juice out of the diet, but um, still being there on that roster with that upper echelon and top tier player, I think is impressive, but I did want to ask a question and I saw another article, which was pretty cool where, you know, like we talked about you, you were always kind of on the list on, you know, um, top prospects and stuff like that possible or eligible for the draft and NHL teams kind of maybe giving you the wave, but hockey Canada is still giving you the shot and always believing in you. Um, did that help in terms of, you know, like your path through development and trying to get through all this and not, not necessarily getting your name called at the draft and everything, but hockey Canada is like, no, like this kid's something special. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously I'll, I'll never get a, an answer from, from anyone, but I think it did really help, um, you know, on the development side and as well as, you know, the connections, um, you know, those guys are, are all very well respected in the, in the hockey world. And, you know, I, I'd like to think that I, I did everything I could to, to help the team win, whether it was going out and, you know, trying to save as many pucks as I could and uh, give the team a chance on the ice or, you know, be that, that room guy that um, keeps the mood light, but is is real positive all the time. And um, it's just a good, is a good person. And I think that, that really helped um, going through that, that world junior experience when uh, I was third string, I think um, I did a, as much as I could to, you know, be around the guys and really soak in the experience and, and try and, you know, be the guy that, you know, if someone needed a boost, I was uh, the first guy there. Um, and I think the, the management and the coaches saw that and, uh, I'd like to think that played a little bit of a part and, you know, where I, I got to now. Um, but yeah, for them to, to keep bringing me back and, you know, have faith in me as a, as a player and as a person, I, uh, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, I, I have nothing but respect and, uh, and appreciation for, for everyone in that, orbit, in that whole organization. I do thing too it shows that you have more character because it's tough to take a lot of guys you know like you want to talk about building a team like that you got a lot of egos right you're taking the best kids across the country that are you know top tier in their league and everything like that you're the starter at you know uh, pg for how long you played how many games you've always been the guy and to come in and then turn into being like a character guy being a locker room guy being glue you know what i mean i think you know when the staff when you're around hockey minds like that on that kind of team, they recognize that and like, look, Taylor's kind of like he's figuring this out and he's not necessarily being upset about the position he's in, but he's able to still help the team in a different way. And it shows you have character and the support role. You can play it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, 
the thing that helped me in that was um, obviously when I got named third, I was, I was pretty upset. Um, but I, I tried not, never showed it in the. That's a competitive nature though. Right. Yeah, for like sure. That's, yeah. that's what you want to be though. You wouldn't want to be happy there, but you know, it's kind of the way chips are dealt. Yeah. And then I just took a step back and thought, you know what, like there's probably a couple million people in this country that would be dying to oh. be inside this locker room. You know, it's the bubble year. So there's no fans. I got sit front row seats every game, <laughs> just chill out, uh, cheer on the boys. And, uh, it was, it was real special to, to be a part of that team. And obviously we, uh, we didn't get the job done at the end of the day. Um, well, Niter, Niter did what we knew he was capable <laughs> of doing. And, uh, you know, it, we came out on the on the losing side that night, but um, I still I have that that medal hung up with uh, with a lot of pride, and know uh, that well, I, I look at that jersey, and every time I look at it, it uh, it still brings back a lot of happy memories from from that month and a half uh, from the the start of the the tryouts to the last night of the tournament. For sure. Um, now I want to kind of skip forward to, uh, your time in Portland. And the only reason I want to ask is, uh, Portland's a weird place. Um, it's (laughs) Portland. I mean, they got a whole show about it and it's a lot of hipsters on the other side. I mean, being in the hockey scene, you're still kind of separated from it, but anytime you go into day-to-day life, like you see people that are like, you know, they got dogs and cats and sweaters and strollers. Um, you got weird clothes, a lot of weird hipster type things that that's the tame side of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it gets a little, it dials up a notch, huh? Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, if you get out enough, you see some crazy stuff. Well, I mean, you got like your stereotypical, like coffee guy, like they got all the tattoos. They got the weird glasses that you've never seen before. They got like the cabbie hat and like the big blue leather, uh, leather, uh, what do you call it? The apron, even though, you know, we're not working with steel here. You're just pouring cups of coffee, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I remember we did one day we did a, a cleanup we're cleaning up downtown which was just that's scary um yeah it was a mess and uh we were along the train tracks and i wasn't i didn't witness this firsthand but the you were on scene around yeah and i think i was a couple blocks over um and they're along the train tracks and they're walking by all the tents and everything there and this guy comes out of a tent and he's got a gun and oh, he's no. just waving it, waving it around, and he's shooting birds with it. So they call like they call the police, and they're like, "There's this guy with a gun. He just came out of his tent, oh, and he's no. just like waving it around. And he was like pointing it at people. He pointed at some of the boys, so they just ducked out and ran around the corner. Um, and it ended up being a just a pellet gun." Oh, thank God, huh? But yeah, it was nuts. So some of the boys like had to, they're late to practice that day because they had to get questioned by the police and all this shit. It was, it was nuts. That was, that was probably the craziest thing that I experienced in my short five months there. Um, But yeah, that was kind of a, a wake up call that I was in a different universe. Yeah, it's definitely not Prince George anymore, eh? No, no. Everyone in Prince George is is pretty harmless. It's uh, kind of know what you're getting into up there, and 
Portland was um, just another beast. I forget what they call it though. So like what Taylor's for the listeners. Um, oh, so it is called the sanctuary city. So Portland is the deemed a sanctuary city where I, I mean, I don't know like the exact definition. I mean, I could try and Google and click a little harder here, but it's more or less, I think it's, they like in terms of uh, people that are homeless or in a tough spot, they have areas set up where they can live and like create communities amongst yeah, there's, there's, there's a quite a few down there. Yeah. Um, there's one right, right by the rink actually. It's, uh, it's actually, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see that stuff there. Obviously they, there needs to be a, some more work done there if they want to, you know, there's still tons of, tons of tents and, um, people scattered throughout the city, but, um, it was cool to see those little areas. They got like mobile homes and, uh trailer set up and these kind of like gated off areas and um you know to give the people a little bit of sense of normalcy and uh you know have a, a consistent place to live was uh it, it was good to see that yeah it's something that portland's doing uh to help kind of people in a, a tough spot but that is one of those things like i had some friends that lived out in portland and they're like yeah it's not it's not like detroit it's very very different i'm like well detroit's different they're like no it's it's very it's out there amongst you know all the other awkward uh or not awkward but weird you know things that the trends and the the lifestyle and culture that portland has is uh, a touch different from anywhere else in in north america we could say yeah so. yeah I, I agree with that for sure <laughs> Um, one thing that I thought was sick, and I've never seen this before. You guys have a like a post game three stars. You guys do a, a hat toss, eh? Yeah, that started with me. Oh yeah, because you're always rocking the cowboy hat coming. Oh, because it was the last last game of the year, and I because in in PG every year we would do a country night, so I'd show up with the cowboy hat, the you know, jean jacket, and everything the whole nine yards. So whenever I missed it this year in, in PG, so whenever I went down to Portland, I kept saying like, Oh, we should do a country night. We should do a country night. And last game of the year, we were playing Everett. And the day before there's a couple of us older guys we were sitting around the dressing room. And I said, let's, let's do it. Let's wear cowboy hats tomorrow. So we walked in, I think there's five of us wore the cowboy hats and, um, I ended up, I think we were doing the, all three twenties got a star. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that night. So I just, I got off the ice as I yelled at one of the younger guys. I said, go get my cowboy hat. I'm wearing <laughs> it out. So I wore it out. And it was actually, it was one of my good cowboy hats. So I wish I didn't throw it away, but I did. And uh, it started as, started kind of a, a thing and, in the city where you, know, you come off the, everyone was wearing cowboy hats to the game. Um, we ended up getting a sponsorship with the, the Portland outdoor store there. And they were supplying <laughs> us with cowboy hats for the three stars. So we would go out with the hat and we'd sign it and then throw it into the stands. So. How sick is that though? That was yeah. all me. You get that. I mean, you're you want to talk about a city to set a trend, then you set it in trends. Um, but to get the sign and then do the little cowboy flip where it just wheels out of your hands and you whip yeah, it in the yeah, in the pretty, stands. It's pretty cool feeling. I did it a couple of times in playoffs and it was uh tried to see how far I could throw it up the aisle. 
every time. <laughs> I think the first time I, the first time I threw it, it's on video. I, I threw it right by the gate and I just chucked it up there and I didn't look and I watched the video the next day and there's this guy that went to go catch it and he lost his footing and just took a tumble over like two rows of seats trying oh, to get no. it. <laughs> so what? it was, uh, that was pretty fun to, to be a part of that and kind of have the whole, the whole team get around it. And all the fans loved it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they keep it going next year or not. Well, that, and then I saw like in like your guys' hype video clips for playoffs or whatever, all the boys started wearing cowboy hats to the, to the rink. Eh? Yeah, that was our thing. Um, it was kind of a, a team thing we did for home games. Everyone would show up with one and it, it was pretty fun to see the outfits of some of the guys. I think I was still the best, but had the chest hair popped out a couple of times and Andy Moog style. Yeah. Just how he taught us. That's exactly it. Um, I do want to ask, what was your uh what was it like like in the stands? You get a lot you, there's no chance you guys get hipsters showing up to games, right? Uh no, not not a whole lot. No. So still, I was gonna say that crowd's gotta be pretty uh sports focused. Yeah, we we got great fans though. Like the the fans are awesome. You know, it's we get seven or eight thousand usually and Sick. the exact same people every single time so it was it was kind of cool you got to build a we had a bleachers behind the net uh, yeah. on both ends so you kind of got to build a a little bit of a relationship between the the fans and and yourself uh especially with you know kind of how my personality is i i love that i i think at the end of the day hockey is supposed to be entertaining and yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, you, you need to perform and you need to play at a high level, but uh, at the end of the day, you're, if you're not entertaining, you're, the fans aren't going to come back. So I, every chance I got, I, I tried to interact with, with the fans. Um, there's a guy that used to, that would come in with a big two by four and a, a goat head that he'd be wheeling around the game right behind my net and, all right. Yeah, it, it was awesome though to, to see <laughs> the same people every single every single night at home. Um, you know, they're they were diehards. They loved loved the team, uh, loved all the players, and uh, was we got treated really well there by everyone. So, what's the story on this goat head thing? I don't know. I just one day, like the same guy was would was watch. it like that? Seems like almost like a threat. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think he liked me, but it wasn't like an actual like dead goat. It was one of those like plastic ones. But yeah, but still. <laughs> sometimes I'd look back and he'd be wearing it. And other times it'd be on his hand. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I think there's a couple pictures out there of, of the guy with it. I'll have to go through my pictures and check it out. There, I like it. There is proof somewhere. Like I'm not what just a beauty. pulling that one out of thin air. What a beauty. Um, Taylor, in the cleanest way possible, uh, I did want to ask about the hometown. You grew up in Calgary. Uh, obviously, you kind of left to, to go play in PG, but you're spending summers there. And one of the most legendary things, me and Kyle talked about it, what, you know, two years ago with a lot of players, the Calgary Stampede's a, it's a, it's a staple, right? Um, everybody's going there. Everybody in Western Canada is traveling out to go there. It's the craziest time. I mean, it's got like bull riding. It's got the horse competitions. It's got everything you want in the barn. 
But I think outside of that, you got live music, parties, beer, tents, the carnival, everything. Uh, what's the Calgary Stampede like for somebody that's never been? And should they go? It is the most – it depends on how you want to play it. Okay. You could be an absolute degenerate for 10 days straight, or you can pick your spots and go a couple days and go hard. But it is the most fun 10 days in any city I've ever been in. Everyone's like around 5 o'clock every single night. You go down to the train station, and it's littered with people fully decked out, you know, cowboy hat, boots. Um, the trains are full of people. Um, the vibe around the entire city during that 10 days is, is awesome. It's, uh, it's a super fun time, and there's, there's stuff for everyone. You know, if you've got little kids, you can take them down to the fairgrounds. And, uh, tons of rides, tons of games to play. Uh, they got the tents out, a uh, couple different bars in the city. They set up tents on the grounds, um, bull riding, horseback riding, calf roping, anything under the sun that uh, it's, it's there. So it's, it's fun. I think it's, it's one of those things that you got to do once in your life. Um, after, after the first year, it's, it's pretty repetitive. Yeah. You just go down, do the same thing. You see the same people that you saw last stampede at the same tent. Um, but it's, it's awesome. It's a super fun time and uh, being right, right in the middle of, of the summer, it's a good time to you know, get out, blow some steam off and uh, have fun with your buddies. Not bad. Not bad. Um, recently, I think you got, uh, did you, did you get that lighthouse tattoo completely or did you get some uh, fix-ups the other week? I think it was like, what, two months ago? Uh, yeah, I got it done fully. Sick. That one there, yeah. I'm going to end up building the whole sleeve eventually. But it's awesome, that's, yeah. Uh, that's the start of it. Yeah, we got some tattoo guys in here. Kyle's a uh, uh, big tattoo guy too. I just got my sleeve done on uh, Tuesday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, so my uh, my tattoo artist is the same guy that paints my helmets. So. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Nice little uh, connection bond. Yeah, it's nice to have everything grouped into one. Um, well, he's done two helmets for me now and three tattoos. So we got a good relationship, good working relationship. And uh, same guy that logan goes to as well for his tattoos and helmets you so. did the you did the helmet first though right to make sure it was good and then you're like all right he, he um well <laughs> you want to get a tattoo on and start taking care of me or what can't remember what i did first i think i got the tattoo done first my first one then the helmet came after the yeah. most permanent thing was like yeah. oh we should we should see how this goes and then he can just do up you know one of my masks no big deal yeah yeah oh, he's a pretty reputable guy uh a lot of my a lot of my buddies go to them, so I, I trust them. Yeah, so Kyle, when are you going to pick up the tattoo gun, buddy? I don't know. There's probably way more money in that than mask painting. So. It's the same thing. You're drawing. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah, it's just it's a little different when Kyle messes up on a mask and he, you know, he doesn't tell anybody, just sends it off and restarts where you know, you take that line a little too far on the arm and now, now we're doing a boo-boo fix real quick. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely not a job that I would do. My uh, my extent is stick people. Yeah, 
I think uh, my bigger issue would be the clientele of like tattoo shops is a lot different from from hockey. Like I, I'd be pumped if I had hockey guys come ask for a tattoo, but like most people in tattoo shops aren't aren't like athletes or uh, you know people I'd probably go hang out with outside of it. The people off the streets of Portland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Portland crew in there. Um, I mean, maybe that's an idea. Maybe we start like a tattoo company. You start traveling and we record or you do a little interview while you're tattooing somebody. We got an idea there, huh? Yeah, the Vaughn branch out. It's Vaughn tattoos. Yeah. Put it at the visitor's hotel in Tampa and let the guys walk in and get whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, players today have, everybody's got them. Um, What's the significance behind the lighthouse? I saw it had like four different years on there. I think it was at 96, 98, oh, 2000, and then 04 or something like that. Yeah. So it's um, both my parents are from uh, Prince Edward Island. So I got the lighthouse. Very uh, cool. Kind of just for, for back there. Uh, I spend you know, a couple of weeks back there every summer. And then uh, I just have my, my dad, my mom, me and my sister's birth years on it. So. Just a oh. little family thing that uh, I've been wanting to get for a while and uh, have a little bit of a disposable income now. So I thought I'd bite the bullet on it. Yeah, you kind of came in a little bit, a small sum of money, I guess. Yeah, a little so. bit. Thought I could, I could splurge on it. Any other, uh, any other big time purchases with the uh, bonus there? Uh, I got golf clubs right after. I signed I got custom fitted for them and I'd like to think they helped my game um but I'm I hacked it up yesterday so I might have to put them on detention for a little bit so you're saying it's not the clubs and it's not the gear huh yeah I don't know what it is might be the person but I don't like to think that I think I'm pretty good yeah I'm just we're gonna save that clip for down the road in case anything ever comes up and well, now my pads are smaller too, so that's an adjustment. There's my excuse right there. There, um, that's all you got to go to. It's always the gear. Yeah. Did the did the NHL make you go down a size, or just I just got measured out. I don't I don't even know what my specs are now, but they feel a little bit smaller than what I was rocking. I was in thirty four plus three. Yeah. So, did you yeah. I don't yeah, think I could have a three inch thigh rise. <laughs> Did you have to switch out your uh, chesty and pants yet? Uh, yeah, my pants are, they feel like they're like molded to my legs some days. I think I got to run them over with my truck. It's kind of, the, the pants kind of are a nice feel though, I'd say. Like like movement wise, they kind of. Yeah, the pants do feel nice. Um, it's nice being able to wear Vaughn everything now. Because I was in CCM pants because I had to be in the in the dub um but yeah it's they feel real they feel good chest protector uh, i haven't really noticed a difference puck still hurt yeah uh, <laughs> wish they didn't but they do on skates um, too no no i can't be <laughs> that's where we draw the, the line yeah i got the von sticks though yeah, wow. I mean, one of the that's last dedication. guys on the face of the earth besides me that's using them. So yeah, I think they, I think I'm the only one keeping that shop open. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's really what it comes down the to. Foam, the foam core foam uh, Vaughn sticks. 
not only foam core, but the foam core full right, which is harder than hell to find in anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm making you guys work over there. Hey, somebody's got to keep me busy, keep the paychecks rolling in. Bauer probably won't even make full right equipment now. They're like, oh, it's too small of a market. You know, <laughs> we, we don't make money here. <laughs> probably lose more money making right handed stuff. Um, I guess speaking about right handed here, Taylor, when you golf, do you golf left or right? Oh, I golf left. Okay. Uh, I, so that, really? I, whenever I'm like playing, whenever I'm out as a player, I shoot left-handed. Really? So I had to switch over. I had to learn how to shoot right whenever I started being a goalie. But obviously when you like catch base or you play baseball, you're catching right-handed. Yeah. I do okay. ev- everything on like everything possible. I do backwards. Really? Yeah, like I write left-handed, uh, throw left-handed. Like if I didn't play sports, you could cut my right arm off and I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> so you are just wired a little differently, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it would only make sense. Do <laughs> um, you guys got anything else hockey-related you want to ask the the GOAT about? Uh, I I hate to backtrack this far, but... I, we were talking a lot about the combine and your interviews and stuff earlier. I, I, do you ha- have any uh, like memorable questions or memorable moments from any of your interviews or anything like that? Um, I remember I had one with Edmonton and it was right after uh, I came back from the under 18s uh, in Sweden. And we lost in the semifinals. We lost, I think, 3-2. And they sc- Sweden scored with like three minutes left. And I was playing and um, it was one of those shots where they kind of got it off the wall and they walked into like the face-off circle and the guy put it short side on me and it, it probably wasn't a good goal to give up. Uh, I wish I could have got it back, but I remember someone, I can't remember who it was in Edmonton, but they basically told me that I lost the entire tournament for my team. Um, it was the worst goal he's ever seen given up in a game. And just like ripped me apart. And he was like, How do you feel about it? I said, Oh, I guess the same as you. <laughs> like, I wish I could have stopped it, but it went in. So, so do you think he was just trying to get like a see how you reacted to it? Or do you think he like actually felt that and like just wanted to tell you like how who, bad it was? Who knows? I don't, I don't know what, uh, I guess you, you never really know where their intentions are with that, but. That one was an intimidating question for me because <laughs> I, I had a pretty good tournament overall. Um, I, I played well and to, to get that, that was a, a knuckleball <laughs> right down the pipe. Uh, I didn't really know how to respond to it. And, well, maybe if I answered it better, I would have got drafted by Edmonton, but it yeah, uh, didn't work out that way. Yeah, Pittsburgh's still not a bad place to land. Um, oh, I guess Evan, you wanted to ask about Permani Brothers. Yeah, have you? Uh, have you? So obviously, you've probably done some uh, camps and stuff out in Pittsburgh thus far already, correct? Uh, just one development camp. Did you? Uh, did you weasel over to Permani Brothers yet, or? No, I don't. I don't think I did. Oh. Yeah. 
You're going to have to. It's a, it's a Pittsburgh staple. It's like a, like a sandwich restaurant and just elite, elite sandwich. I remember that I'd go out to Pittsburgh all the time for tournaments when I played like youth hockey. And there was a, it was like Harmerville Blade Runners was the name of the rink or something like that. And right across the street was Permani Brothers. And that was like the best part about playing there was just after every game, you'd go out there and it's like a Pittsburgh staple. And even I have a couple of buddies in Pittsburgh and even for them, it's like a huge, a huge thing for them. So yeah, that's, that's a place you're definitely going to have to check out. Yeah. I'm going to put that on my list. I'm uh, I just get so fired up when I go down to the States cause there's Chipotle down there. And I, oh, like I have a, oh like i am biggest fan of chipotle on the planet when i went down to portland it was like every single day so every time i get a chance to eat that that's like go to what's what's the go-to order ah what is it i got the white rice bowl uh steak the lettuce medium salsa a little bit of cheese and call her a day. Maybe a little, maybe a lemonade on the side. Ooh, you gotta have a bev. The water cup. Yeah, the water cup lemonade. That's my go-to. <laughs> That's the sneaky move. You <laughs> sometimes you gotta grease it in there. Um, I mean, what? How much studying of the city of Pittsburgh have you done? Absolutely zero. <clears throat> okay. Um. So they're the penguins but there's no penguins in pittsburgh what's what's the story there you'd have to ask mario that <laughs> i uh i have like it's kind of when i got drafted to pg i had absolutely no idea about Where anything going into? <laughs> yeah i just i just go in like whatever happens happens like, as you go. Yeah. um to the airport went half hour to their practice facility Hotel was across the street. When you, were, uh, when you were at Dev Camp, was uh, Tommy Napier there? Yeah, Tommy was, was there. He was my roommate. Partner. That was my partner when I was at OSU. He's a great guy. I love that guy. Yeah, he's a beauty. He's something yeah. else, man. Something he's, else. He's, never, he stops I've, the clock. He does a good job of that. Yeah, and I've never – I like the, the thing that's always so crazy to me about him is he's one of those guys where, like, anything in the world can be going on at any point and as soon as he gets in hockey here as soon as he shows up to the rink it's like nothing's going like he's the most unfazed human being by everything and i mean just from this short conversation with you it's it sounds like you have that same quality where you're like very like you just take stuff as it comes at you and i'm, I'm sure probably as crazy as it sounds that a big thing that helped you with that was your time in prince george just going into those nights every night where you knew you were probably going to see 40 or 50 and you're probably going to have to have a game of your life in order to even give them a shot. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty similar to how I am. You know, there's no point in stressing over a bunch of shit that might not even happen. Exactly. So if something happens, then I'll worry about it when it gets to me. That's all you can do. No worries. Uh, no point in worrying uh, about something that ain't going to happen yet. Um, <clears throat> Taylor, describe without looking it up. You got about 60 seconds. Describe a Pittsburgh toilet. A what? A Pittsburgh toilet. This is a real thing. 
Just tell me after you hear that phrase, the Pittsburgh toilet, what do you think that is? I have no, I, there's no thought that goes into my head. If you listen to the pod, you know. I feel like Ev's brought this up multiple. <laughs> any anytime someone's played in Pittsburgh, this is a question. Well, I haven't gotten back into the pod since we restarted. I'm still sour about that first interview. Well, I mean, unbeknownst to anybody in the world besides me, Kyle, and Taylor, that first interview was incredible. There were just some stories that, you know, at the time and the timing and the place, (laughs) without having a contract and a sealed deal yet for the future, we just, hey, we we should probably hang on to this one and archive it and put it in in the vault. So Yeah, that was the best story storytelling I've ever done. That was the the bike story, too, right? No, the, the bike story couple places at some uh you know local uh restaurants uh if you want to call them that you know some stuff had happened and yeah oh yeah keep those in the fall maybe that's yeah when you when you turn into a coach or something like that then we can start telling those stories when he's on the pod as a host yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) when i'm I'm working out west with gorzy exactly um that's what my plan is so uh Give me, give me a few words on what you think a Pittsburgh toilet is. Take, give me your best guess. It sounds like a. It's either going to be some sort of food. No, no, no. It's just a hint. It's a real toilet. It's a toilet. It's a, yeah. Oh, a toilet. Yeah, a Pittsburgh toilet. But what's what's different about a Pittsburgh? Oh, toilet? actually, I I watched a video on this a couple days ago. Gears are turning. Yeah, it's just in the basement. Yeah. No. It's... Like no doors, nothing. Nice. I watched a. It was on a little bar stool. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it KFC? I think. Uh, the Wonton Don. Oh, guy. okay. Yeah, he did. Yeah, a, they did their out east swing. Yeah, he did like a re- like a discovering Pittsburgh, <laughs> and he went and used one of them. Um. Oh, so that's so- that's I nailed it. Yeah. Crushed it crushed it you are once you are i got the once i got the toilet part figured out once you figured out it wasn't a sandwich yeah, yeah. did you think <laughs> i was saying like something else or did you think i was nicknaming a sandwich i think he was still in permani permani brothers mode <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just lost right now it's all right in the blender um but yes a pittsburgh toilet it's its primary function was to serve as a cleanup station for steel mill workers to clean themselves after returning from work the toilet fixtures would also limit the harm of sewage backups in hilly Pittsburgh, providing a lower flushable outlet than the main part of the house. But yeah, they literally would just drop a toilet in the middle of the basement with no walls, nothing. And you just, you know, squat down and have, have a seat and you just look at your cellar. That's it. Some of the old time hockey rinks kind of, kind of have, you know, the, the Pittsburgh toilet where it's just like, you're in the locker room and over in the corner, there's literally just a shitter sitting <laughs> on the ground there. I've seen yep. a couple of those in my day. And you go, like, if you ever have someone use it and they just sit there and you, all the boys are just staring at them and we're all just hanging out. <laughs> just another I don't day. think that would phase me too much, honestly. No, 100% would not phase you, Taylor. Like, I just, when business has got to get done, it's going to get done. <laughs> it's a meeting. Yeah. Um, Taylor. This is the part where we ask you some off the wall questions and we, uh, we just, I just want to gauge your personality and kind of like, you know, really get into the mind of Taylor Gautier and figure out what you're like as a person. Sound good? No combine question. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, like the New York Islanders <laughs> 75 pages. 
Um, Taylor, if you walked into a hotel room and you found a dead body, what do you think your first move would be? I think I'd check if it was dead. Okay. Do a life support check. Yeah, I just give a quick pulse check. Now, like, are you going to, like, kind of, like, just look at it through, like, the throat and see if, hey, is he breathing? You're going to do it, like, the two finger and touch do it? The two How... fingers. That's, okay. that's the official. Okay. Official way to do it, I think. So I'd probably do that. No pulse and just walk out. Maybe go down to the lobby and say, hey, can I get a new room? <laughs> Last that's room's the... a little messy. <laughs> that's the first thing we got to address. Deal with it. Yeah, this is on them. Um, my hotel absolutely not uh taylor if you punched yourself in the face and it hurt are you weak or are you strong i'm strong strong i'm strong strong okay always strong um how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant can you stack them on top of each other you can go with any military style you'd want to any assemble form. these chickens in. Yeah, like you could really just have at it, but we need a count. Uh, I'd say maybe oh, I think if you could like paratrooper style in like 500 and get half of them landing on the back of the elephant they could do some damage up there um so you think the chickens are smart enough as they you know paratroop down with the uh the parachute and everything and they're they're getting dropped from a plane that they'd target the elephant itself i would hope so that's their job (laughs) like they're one job they're bred they're like i would breed them to be killers Okay. I think that should also factor in. Is it like a Mexican, like, like chicken fighting ring chicken, or is it like a chicken off the farm in like Southern Ohio? Yeah, I guess. Like my chickens that I would pick would be the like the fighters. Okay, so if we're going to war against elephants with chickens, you're going to have the toughest, most skilled. Okay. Obviously, I'd like to be on the elephant side, but it's not the yeah. position to put you in. So. <laughs> you, I get it. I get it. Uh, Taylor, if you enjoy wasting your time, is it really wasting your time? Uh, if there's other stuff to do, yeah. Uh, it's real weight. Like, I got to clean my room today, okay. but I'm probably not going to do it. So I'm just going to waste my time sitting on the couch. But then technically, aren't you not wasting your time? You're enjoying yourself with relaxation? Depends on if I do some good breathing exercises when I'm relaxing. Do you get in a little bit of, uh, what do you call that, meditation? I don't do those. I just sit on my phone. I figured you were a meditation guy just by, you know, the read and your profile and everything. Yeah, I'm not, not big into that right now. No, the guy uh, with the mullet Andy, probably doesn't. Andy Kyoto loves it, though, so I might have to get into it. Okay. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. So, <laughs> Whatever it takes. He's, he's the man. Um, 
Taylor, what do you call a male ballerina? I don't know. Probably a ballerina. Uh, okay. Um, Taylor, when you forget an idea, where does it go? Probably out my satellite dish ears. <laughs> I don't, okay. Uh, my ideas are few and far between some days. Okay. Uh, why does the rain drop, but the snow falls? Hmm. These are like philosophy questions. I'm not yeah. one of these ones right now. Um, we just want you to open up the mind before the season starts and really kind of do I some think introspection. I think it just comes from the name Raindrops. Well, who named it yeah. Raindrops then? Because if it's snow, like snowflakes, it just sounds weird if you're like, oh, the snow's flaking down. Okay. Um, the rain's dropping. Yeah. When do you think time begins? And part two question, when does time end? When that big ball in the sky decides to blow up on us. I think that's when she's game over. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that'd stand correct. Uh, but yeah, when I think, well, you could get into it. Like, is time even real? Is time just a man-made construct? I think it is. Because up until the point where people were putting rocks out, no one knew what time. So do you would do you believe in time travel then? Time travel, um, certain times I do. Like, do you ever watch The Simpsons? That's a little bananas that yeah yeah predict every single thing that ever happens. That does There's kind of put you in a blender, yeah. Yeah, I'm not enjoying it. So then time would have to be real if you could, uh, because you can then define time. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not really on either side of the argument here. I'm just saying like that when the sun explodes, it's done. So what, what do you think was the, the indicator for the beginning of time then? Probably when the sun started working <laughs> we're on the sun's clock and that's it um it's like interstellar i feel like i'm watching interstellar right now oh just trying to decipher life's true questions um how do you handcuff a one-armed man uh talking to his belt buckle what if he's got gym shorts on ankle Armed ankle. And ankle. That's good. Hope he's got good <laughs> hip mobility. <laughs> um, who actually gets to decide what is right versus what is wrong? The big money guys. Big money guys. Yeah. So how how big are we talking? Like, like Jeff Bezos? Like you now? No, no, no. Probably multiply me by about. <laughs> the biggest number in the world. <laughs> so you think you like got, people that got the power. Okay. Okay. Um, there's, there's morally right and wrong. And I think yeah. you can figure that out, but 
sometimes it doesn't work like that. Doesn't always shake down the way you think it's going to. Uh, Taylor, do coffins have a lifetime guarantee? Uh, I don't think so. I think they just build them up and let them rot. That's a hot take. What would happen to a bubble if you blew it into space? I don't think you could do that. <laughs> well, why not? Well, because don't they say that like space is super windy? Yeah, that is true. Like, have you ever tried to blow a bubble on a windy day? That's not happening. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Scratch that question. Don't ask that one ever again. I just debunked it. <laughs> Rushed it. Um, this is a this is more personal. I don't want to kind of get like too political about this. Um, but I am gonna put you on the spot here, Taylor. How many pounds of potatoes do you think you've eaten in your lifetime? Oh. Being that my family's from Prince Edward Island where they Pete, yeah, potatoes or for shit. I would honestly probably say 75 to 80 pounds of potatoes easily. Do you guys think that's a lot or not enough? I think that's low. Very low. Low? Very low. Oh, okay, maybe I'll bump it up then. I mean, uh, a potato at I, night, yeah, a baked potato is a half every pound. Every time I eat potatoes, I'm probably eating like a pound of them. I've had potatoes more than 75 times. So what's, what are we saying one potato weighs? At least a half pound. I mean, if that's the case, you'd probably eat 75 pounds in a matter of like two years. Yeah, I'm probably up at like 500. Okay. I feel like I I look back because I eat like a lot of mashed potatoes and you can't really like. And fries too, right? Fries are potatoes. That's a tough one. I'd say probably around 500, maybe. Upwards, I'd say upwards of like six, maybe seven fifty. Because if you're eating, like Kyle said, we're doing the math, all right? Seventy-five in about two years. You're about you're twenty-one. So say you, right, but you're not eating for for five of those years. You're not like you're not gas and crushing potatoes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Maybe five even to seven. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, like you know, five to seven, you're getting tater tots and you're getting French fries. As a young buck. So, I'd say anywhere, yeah, like breakfast. A lot of factors are coming into this right now that I didn't. Hash browns, yeah, hash browns. I've had some hash browns the other day. Yeah, I might bump my number up again. Final number here, Taylor. Yeah, probably eight. Okay, it's gonna make the potato people upset. Um, Taylor, how do you make the perfect schmore? Um, what I like to do is I like to like burn the marshmallow. Oh, you you get it toasty, huh? Yeah, I jam it right in there, and then, or I like do it evenly, and then get it nice and big, and then I'll jam it in, burn the outside of it, and then I'll usually we have a big brick like brick fire pit in the backyard, and I think bricks are usually pretty clean. So I just put the chocolate on the brick 
and let it melt a little bit with the bottom of the graham cracker underneath it. And then you just take the burnt, you take the burnt marshmallow off and you put it on there. And good to go. That's probably the hottest take we've ever had on this pod. What? The brick? Bricks are clean. Just every everything about that. I mean, from just the I mean, it's just impatient to burn your marshmallow oh, you right off the, the marshmallow. Rip. And then at the end, you just burn it. So you do all the hard work and then you ruin it by burning it and then throw it on, you're good to go. So you love a good grainy, charcoaly finish to your yeah. schmore. Yeah, a little brick in the teeth never hurt anyone. Because, yeah, past that, well, I didn't, I'm not even talking about the brick. I'm just talking about like the, 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 the charcoaly, you know, burnt outside of the marshmallow. That taste right there, regardless of graham cracker chocolate, Taylor, like you don't taste anything else. But then you threw in brick too, which is very <laughs> impressive. Is the clean? Because it's generally clean. most of the time bricks are clean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're getting fire all over them, so the fire's gonna like knock off all the bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fire is hot, and like you know, you you burn yourself. There you get something hot enough, it boils water, you boil out the germs. So um like have you ever I'm, seen Rambo whenever he puts gunpowder in his arm and burns it, closes a wound up? Right. So back to the brick does. though. So you're put you're putting chocolate just straight on on the brick. No, you put the like the ground cracker underneath the chocolate. The chocolate okay. gets warmed up a little bit on there. So you have something to grab the chocolate. Okay. Yeah, I was confused for a second. I was like, <laughs> I, know, I didn't explain that part well. I was, you're you're just, using the brick as, as like a. I was too excited like about spre- You're spreading it just, <laughs> just like with a knife, just yeah, really yeah. layering it up just like a, a chocolate factory, and then just swiping it up with the cracker. Um, I do have a a, a quick story about you know you want to talk about getting dirty food clean. Uh, Taylor, did you know I used to work at KFC in high school? Probably not. I did not know that. Well, now you do. Used to uh, chef it up back there. Um, cooking and, you know, just making sure everybody had their original the recipe, the 11. Yeah. Spices. It comes in a bag and it's dust. And then I pour it onto this bucket that has a bunch of yuck and muck in it. And I mix the chicken in there. And I throw it in a fryer. That's the recipe, but it gets worse. So occasionally, I don't know if you guys have watched the bear at all, but you know, KFC is kind of like that. A lot of people move in. Nobody's shouting out where they are taking a corner and you got a big tray of chicken at 24 pieces that you just cooked and it took you about 20 minutes after it fried, you prep, blah, blah, blah. You're taking it to go put it in. Somebody bumps into you and it falls down and there's a line of like six people in the lobby and there's no chicken done. So guess what happens, Taylor? You got to take, you, you take that chicken, you pick it back up and you throw it back in the deep fryer for like five minutes and it cooks off the germs, you throw it back on, you slap it back out there, and you're putting it right in that bucket. So you want to talk about bricks being clean. You know, fryers are clean, too, when they're cooking at 400 degrees, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like a disinfectant. Yeah. Or you're, or you're just frying in all that dirt and, and stuff on the floor into the chicken. Well, it's liquid. If you mix it around, it gets off of it, right? Yeah. I, I have no problem with that. The heat kills the germs, too. There's nothing actually bad. It's just like matter. Now, in in my defense, I always ask the manager. I'm not the thinker at that point in time. My defense, uh, I always asked, 
the lead and said, Hey, what do we do about this? And they always looked at, well, this only happened a handful of times, but they'd always look at me and be like, kick it back in there. Let it, let it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just good practice in the food industry. Yeah. So, you know, good to know KFC is clean. Yeah. Especially when I'm back there, I got a, I got a little bombing and I'm just, you know, music's blaring and I'm just jamming away. Giving her, um, did you, Kyle, did you want to ask this next question or were you just sitting on this to sit on this? Oh no, you're good. I, I like, uh, I like this one here though. That's a good one. That's I thought of that today. Um, so take on poutine. What is it? What's your take? Poutine. Yeah. Poutine. Uh, one of the best things ever invented. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you like your poutine? What are you specific about when you get your order? What's like, what has to be to make a good poutine? I think you got to have like crunchy fries. Crunchy, not soggy. No. I think but still like soaked in all the gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything the same, but I think you got to have that. And like, I don't know if Costco poutine, unbelievable. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. So I know you used to you get a you walk into a Costco in the States and you get a hot dog, you get a slice of pizza and a slushie, no big deal. Don't tell me that they're serving poutine yeah. at a Costco. Yeah. Man, you guys really do have it all that in healthcare shit. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me tell you, like I've I've had a couple games played at the Costco lunch. <laughs> we go there like every Monday in PG. It was on the yeah. way home, and there'd be like four or five of us that would go there, and it was a slice of pizza, a poutine, and a root beer. Would you rather? Uh, would you rather Costco poutine or Chipotle? Oh, here's the thing with the poutine, though. Nine times out of ten, you're fine. That tenth time, you can't even leave <laughs> the store. You gotta go. Chipotle, Chipotle's had a few issues Emerging. too. Uh, yeah. Chipotle's only happened like once, and it was because I ate it before practice. That so doesn't your, seem like the way to go. You got to pick your spots with either of them. Like the Costco poutine, you got to have, you got to block off a little bit of your day just in yeah. case. You got to you have are, nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Neither are pregame meals. Like you got to, you got to be prepared to get in the trenches with the poutine. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have that Pittsburgh toilet ready to go. Nine, nine times out of ten, it's incredible. But it's that one that gets you, just like the U.S. when they beat the Russians. Exactly. <laughs> um, hey, it's the same as Dairy Queen. Really? Yeah, Blizzard. Sometimes it just hits the pipe in the wrong way. You, you got to battle a little bit. Yeah. You got to get in the corners, dig yeah. deep. Very. Sometimes you got a little get get tough. As I tell Kyle a lot. Um, hey, how many Stinger honey waffles can you eat in 60 seconds? I'm honestly not a huge fan of those. What? I like the Stinger gummies, but the wa- like the waffles, are, they don't do it for me. Seriously? Yeah. Man, you want to like, talk you, about you a go-to a when I slide in a room. That you give <laughs> Those me a, are gone. You give me a pack of like the Stinger gummies, you could back an 18 wheeler up to my house and they'd be gone the next day <laughs> but the 
the whatever the waffles they're just not the same kyle have you had the gummies evan oh yeah are I they don't if, i don't know if i've had the gummies kyle and i are big uh big waffles big gas. waffle fans waffles are elite dude yeah i mean i could i could still probably put back like seven or eight of them probably in a minute if you, if you had to really? <laughs> if you got to yeah. battle it out if they're in my face then yeah i would but I go for the gummies over the waffles any day of the week. Well, we'll have to check out the gummies then. <clears throat> um, Taylor, if you could pick any non-native animal and make it native in Calgary, what animal would it be? Um, anything that kills a coyote. Why you guys got bad coyotes? Oh, brutal. They're yeah, killing cats one of my neighbors walked out a couple weeks ago and found her cat on her front lawn oh that's tough Um, i'm sorry and then one of my buddies got it on video of a coyote coming up and grabbing his cat off of his uh off of his back deck so anything that would kill those things or what might yeah what might eat it or kill a A lion lion okay (laughs) <laughs> we just got real extreme. Yeah. <laughs> just, I that's next level. <laughs> he's he's gonna drop lines into Calgary with the parachutes out of those big flyers. They're gonna be chickens, chickens on the elephants. You think you think that could potentially maybe create a new problem for for animals? Okay, so once we kill all the coyotes, then we just take them and throw them back. Yeah, you, you they they get a mission complete. They pick them back up yeah, and fly yeah. them on out. Um, like there's there's no rats in Alberta, really. So that's what we could do to the lions, just eradicate them. <laughs> still going to be in Africa. But. Well, why not just do that with the coyotes? Mm. Well, I'm just answering the question. Yeah, right. But if you could if you could drop in the lions and then just get rid of them, why not just skip that step and just straight up get rid of them? And what get like a more docile creature, like a orangutan maybe <laughs> no no i so i know where you're coming we from, from but if i we went if, from like if i had the, that choice if i had that choice to just like get rid of the coyotes i wouldn't have to bring the lions in so then right I, but that i'm saying a gorilla if, or something right rip your you face said, off <laughs> imagine a gorilla at the stampede <laughs> Oh man! Well, what about that gorilla they just had, where he like ran out of the gate at the zoo? This was a viral clip. He ran out of like they opened the gate. He runs through and he like slid up to the glass and did a little spin. It's pretty sick. I canceled like cod. <laughs> I have to look that up. Um, I think I understand what Kyle's saying, but yes. So like, okay, so say we didn't need to get the yotes, you'd bring in some sort of orangutan gorilla. Yeah, I'd bring in like a monkey or something. Something cool. Yeah. It'd be odd to see how they'd live in the woods, but yeah, that'd be neat. That'd be neat. Um, fun fact, though, you know what does take down coyotes? Me. Cougars. Oh, we got tons of those, too. Well, you got to tell them to figure that out, huh? I feel like that's a similar problem. They probably eat cats, they too. Haven't, they haven't oh, made yeah. the way into the city yet, though. Only the bobcats and the coyotes have. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, so if you ever gonna, figure out... We're going to the... figure that out. I'm going to go down to the mayor's office i feel like i'd say like a big falcon or like an eagle could take well, them out 
It says gray wolves, cougars, American black and grizzly bears, American alligators. We're going to have to fly those out. Yeah, some awesome. gators. <laughs> a large Canada lynx and golden eagles eat coyotes. Wow. So like, we have, we got options. There was some on the golf course yesterday. I'm playing like right in the middle of the city. and There was coyote just cruising down hole 16 fairway. I wish Wait. I had a stinger in the bag. I would have fired one up there, but not that good. Um, and he like saw people and was was unfazed. Yeah, he was just hanging out. We were on the green and the people in the tee box, and he just walked up like twenty yards before the green and just looked at us. That's tough. How am I supposed to chip with that going on? You know. Yeah. Well, actually, I went uh, greenside bunker to greenside bunker right after I saw that. Oh, he, he rattled you up. I was nervous. I was scared. Um, finishing up here, Taylor. Are you getting in any you know TV shows, music, movies, anything weird? Uh, like weird hobbies that people wouldn't pin you for or don't know about you. Um, not really any weird hobbies. Like golf. Uh, that's kind of my only hobby I have. Um, TV shows. Uh, I'm rewatching Prison Break right now. That's a classic. I watched I watched it a couple of years ago, and I decided to get back into it. Uh, really enjoying myself because I kind of yeah. like, you know, whenever you don't watch something for a while and you know what's going to happen, but you don't know when. Yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm like halfway through season one, and it's just I'm just itching at it to for them to get out. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's an old school classic. Fox Two, what was it like every Mondays or something? Everybody was watching it. Yeah, so that one, I that's kind of the only thing I've been really watching. Um, going to go out on the limb though and say Top Gun Maverick, top four movies of all time. R- top four? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Wasn't like I wouldn't even put it in my top ten to be honest. Liked yeah. it a lot. Are you serious? I, I wouldn't even put it in my top. I saw it back to back nights. I loved it so much. Really? Yeah. Good. Good. I yeah. Went I mean, with my dad the first night, and then I went with my buddies the second, and I liked it more the second time. What do you think about the whole sending off for uh, for Iceman? I thought it was. I thought it was good. Sweet. Because uh, like I, I hadn't watched the first one in a while. And then after I watched it the second time, I went back and watched the first one. And to see it come full circle, big fan. I like it. I think um, because the, like, I can't remember what's the actor's name for Iceman. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. Something. I'll look it up. But he, he was, uh, I didn't realize until after I watched it that he was actually like throat cancer. Yeah. Which was very authentic. I liked it. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. Very famous cool. actor. It was tough. Um, but yeah, good movie. But so what's I, it, if that doesn't make it, what's in your top like top four? I mean, I the, the problem is I got a lot of weird ones. Like I, I watch a lot, a lot of movies. Um, have you ever heard of Lords of Dogtown? No. Yeah. Incredible skateboard movie. Um, Goodfellas is up there. Um God, there's a lot of weird ones. Like I watch a lot of weird, like indie small f- film things that I really, really like. 
um, top four, though. All I'm thinking of is the stuff that I've seen this past year. I'll create a list, Taylor, and I'll get I'll get back with you. Right. I'll get a curated list of, of movies you got to watch. I got my head in my head right now. I would almost I wouldn't put Slapshot in top four, but I'd say top like ten. I think that's an incredible cinematic film. They used one track, one music or song through the whole movie. So it's a tidbit I didn't know. Yeah, the right back where go, we started from. I would go Batman: The Dark Knight, number one. Yeah. Okay. And then the town. I like that. Yeah. And then what was my third one? I went through this the other day. Ah, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what my third one was, but then Top Gun would be at four. Okay. I'll uh let me I'll curate a list of top ten and I'll send it to you. All right. Maybe I'll make a top ten too. I think I've only watched about fifteen movies in my life. Okay, so we'll just pick the five that didn't make it. <laughs> I'll give you some stuff to watch. After prison break. Yeah, after after you finish that. Um, alrighty. You guys got anything else? Yeah. Taylor, the GOAT, Goche. I uh, I appreciate the time as always. I appreciate us having a, a silver conversation that we can go to air with. And I want to wish you the best of luck in the Pittsburgh organization. And I can't wait to come down and see you and have a sandwich with you. Yeah, sounds good. I uh, really appreciate having you, having uh, having me on, and uh, it was awesome. It's good. Enjoy uh, the rest of your summer too. It's good uh, pat on the back for me for keeping it PG for a little bit. Just gotta dial it in sometimes, man. Yeah, yeah I really appreciate it, guys. It was uh, a lot of fun. Thanks, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you shortly. All right. Yeah, sounds good.